Hello, and welcome to the MCAP Podcast, proudly presented by Roast House Pub, where elevated culinary creations meet a fresh, evolving craft beer selection, making it one of Frederick's unique dining destinations. I'm your host, Chris Sands, and today we're joined by Dave Carpenter, one of the co-founders and the brewmaster at Mobtown Brewing Company. Welcome to the studio. Thanks for inviting me. I would. Are you still the newest Baltimore brewery? Yes. Uh, yeah, right now, but not for long. Yeah, because there. Someone was just telling me there's like a few that are going to be opening within the next few months to a year in Baltimore, right? Yeah, I know of at least two, but I know there's there's more in planning, which is kind of good because Baltimore's. Could definitely handle a few more, I would think, right? Like I think, yeah, I think there's so. not really a huge density of them throughout the city. No, no, it's um, yeah, and I feel like Frederick's kind of become the sort of beer capital of Maryland. People have said that before. <laughs> so I feel like Baltimore. We need to work on stealing that from you guys. It's not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, you, you're more than welcome to try because uh, we'll just up our game. But yeah, well. That that won't hurt anyone. <laughs> <laughs> so, typically, we start these out with just getting a history about you yourself, and then we can go into uh, about the brewery specifically. So, what were you doing before uh, you decided to open a brewery? Uh, how did you get into brewing? Uh, all that good stuff. Um, so, actually, on the way here, I listened to your last episode, um, and uh, I was also an engineer. Um, so I started, I was a geotechnical engineer for 17 years, uh, with a local, uh, company based in Baltimore. Um, so geotechnical, is that like doing geothermal systems? It's, and uh, it's, um, soils and, um, retaining walls and foundations, okay. things like that. So we were designing, we'd work with structural engineers. We designed, they'd give us the loads. We would design a foundation system to support the building or. You know, they wanted to build a wall, you know, 20 feet high, and we'd tell them what kind of design pressures they need to design, build it to withstand. I don't remember any of the details, but apparently the foundation for our press table, where the printing press is, is impressive. Okay. There's huge columns, because <laughs> like, it's made to withstand, I can't remember what level of a earthquake, because the tolerances for the press table were really tight, uh -huh. because it's vertically the paper's vertically fed yeah so like the columns go down i can't remember how far into the earth but. i'm sure I, I we used to do a lot of work in frederick um i briefly worked at at bechtel when they were okay. still here so which was a fun commute um but yeah i did that for 17 years and i, I really liked my job when i started it uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but as i got as i got higher and higher in the company uh, and my hourly billing rate went up and up the stuff that I enjoyed doing. I was too expensive to do. And so then it was, it became kind of all office work and managing projects and delegating work to cheaper engineers. And I can't remember there. I think Google was the, um, the example given to me recently, but when I worked at Hughes network systems, we had the same thing where there were for a lot like what people like what you just said people who are great at their jobs but don't want to go into management and like want to just keep doing what they're doing have a track for you to 
excel staying an engineer instead of having to go into management to move up. Yeah, I mean, I, unfortunately, our our office there were we had at the time I think seventeen offices up and down the East Coast with a couple um, mergers going on. So there was stuff happening on the West Coast, and we were one of the one of the smaller offices. So there really wasn't anywhere else okay. <laughs> to go yeah. but up. So at my office. So it was kind of, unless I wanted to move to a different office, my, um, my options were limited, but I did, I did really enjoy it. I loved working with the people there and I loved my job. It just kind of when they wanted me to get into, uh, business development and joining professional societies and getting on committees, I was, that was enough for me. So I, I went to my hobby as my job. So is that, um, uh, yeah. I'm assuming you you homebrewed as a hobby. Yes, I was a homebrewer for almost as long as I worked in engineering. And so, how was your first batch that you made as a homebrewer? So I was expecting this question. My first batch was actually pretty good. It was my second batch that was terrible because when my first batch came out really well, then I was like, "All right, I can do this. I'm gonna now. I'm gonna play around with it." And that's when played I, around a little too much. Yeah, that's when I messed up. So, so you're in the small minority of a good first batch. Yes. Congratulations. I mean, it wasn't great. <laughs> well, most people categorize them as horrible. Yes. So, so I, you know, good on that scale is great. I was, I was like, you know, 22 at the time, and, you know, we would drink pretty much anything. So, we drank it. Yeah. It, it was. It what. It didn't make us sick, <laughs> and it tasted all right. So, so. it's better than Milwaukee's best. <laughs> it was. It was. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. But then the and then this. So I started. It was funny because I started because my brother got me one of those Mister Beer, okay kits. I wonder. <laughs> there have been several uh, people we've interviewed that started out on a Mister Beer kit. I I would love to know how many brewers there are that. Mr. Beer has created. How, how many would admit to it? Yeah, that's it, that too. <laughs> um, yeah, so, but, you know, I, I, I brewed on that for a very, very short period of time because then uh, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, got me uh, my first kind of ingredient kit Okay. Uh, from an actual homebrew store, and the Mr. Beer kit was way too small to be able to brew that much, so then I, then you know, then I had to graduate full-time to you know, homebrew store supplies, glass carboys and buckets. And, and that's when the money like starts getting spent. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, I love the, um, the home brewers that always try to be delusional about how it's saving money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. I can, I can make two cases for $80. So if I spent that much on it, you'd have to like literally buy the most expensive beer yeah. to make it worth it. So, um, we, 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 yeah, we were delusional about that in the beginning as well. But then I started taking donations to help pay for ingredients from my friends. So, well, yeah, so I guess if you're, were, were you doing like five gallon batches? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So if you have a group of friends that are helping you drink anything, it's only fair to pitch in. I would say they were probably drinking most of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would, back when I home brewed, it was definitely, I, I would, I think I gave away more of the beer I brewed than what I drank. Yeah, I definitely did. So yeah, so then yeah, that was. So it was, was it was the misery of sitting in a cube. Well, it, it was that. It was that, and then it was also kind of like my. So 
in 2015, uh, my father passed away and I kind of, you know, he, my, my brother had passed away in 2007 and my mom in 2009. And so then in 2015, it was my dad. So I was kind of the last one in my family. And I kind of look, looked at my dad's life and said, he, you know, he worked his entire life doing something he probably hated so that he could save for retirement and spend, be responsible, be responsible and, and spend, you know, spend time with his family and uh, my mom, you know, to travel because that's what they'd planned on doing when they mm-hmm. retired, but they never really got to do that. And so, you know, I kind of took a hard look at my life and I'm like, I'm sitting here this daily grind, kind of hating every second of my life. And I think I could be doing something I enjoy more and still being able to so- support my family. So, so that, that was kind of the final decision. When you put it that way, I'm really glad you quit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it was it wasn't just cuz I hated my job cuz I probably yeah. I probably would have stuck with it a little yeah. bit longer without know? a epiphany type Yeah, it, it was it was kind of a, you know, I don't know, midlife crisis, but not really. It was definitely brought on by you know, big changes in my life yeah. uh that kind of made me think about where I was going. So. In the long run, it'll probably be a much better decision than going and like buying a sports car or something. I, so I would like to hope so. Good yeah. midlife crisis. I think so. Um, so who, how many of you uh, got together to find to found Mob Town? So there's three of us. Um, so myself, uh, um, my partners Noah Chadwick and Darren Stempley. Uh, so we're the the three owners. So how how did the three of you meet? Uh, Noah used to work with me at my old job. Okay. Um, did he hate it as much as you did? Uh, no, he was only there for a short period of time, okay. and then he moved on uh, and worked for an environmental firm after that. So he's he's an environmental scientist. And then Darren I actually met through homebrew competitions. So uh, the first, I think the first three times I competed against him, we brewed the exact same style of beer. Oh, wow. And, and so finally we were like, maybe we need to start talking outside of these things so this doesn't happen again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then that just ended up us brewing together, you know, and then becoming friends. So that's kind of how that all started. Um, so d- did all three of you, were all three of you into home brewing at uh, that time? Or would... and just, just Darren and I, Noah was more into drinking homebrew. Okay. So, <laughs> um, but it was also, um, you know, had worked in the kind of restaurant bar industry and, was interested in, in doing something in the, in with starting a brewery. So it kind of worked out with, with the three of us. Right, so we're going to take a real quick break to um, thank our longtime sponsor, Roast House Pub. And then uh, when we get back, I think we'll dive a little bit more into how the three of you came to the point of um, deciding you're actually going to pull the plug and, uh, or maybe put the plug in. I don't know which cliche you want to use uh, and start Mob Town. Sounds good. Uncapped is brought to you by one of Frederick's original Maryland craft beer destinations located off of Urbana Pike, featuring a warm, inviting atmosphere and knowledgeable staff serving up fresh, locally sourced culinary creations and unique craft beers on tap. Open seven days a week, our friends at Roast House Pub invite you to enjoy a casual lunch, happy hour specials, delicious dinners, and specialty desserts. Follow them on social media to keep up to date on their monthly beer dinners, 
on spaghetti dinner battles, and what beer is being featured for Buck Above Monday. All right, so you hate your job. Um, you met your you know, arch nemesis in brewing. <laughs> uh, turned collaborator. Uh, yes, I, can, um, I, I, I converted him. Uh, so how did you, the three of you get to the point where you're like, you know what, we should, uh, we should just go ahead and do this professionally. Well, we, so, you know, during that whole time, I, I kind of have been seriously thinking about it. And, um, and I think even before my father passed away, I had applied to, uh, the UC Davis master brewers program Okay, and had done, um, a Siebel Institute like online course just to kind of like get up to speed with more of the science and stuff because I as much as I, I love brewing I could never force myself to sit down, sit down and read books about yeast management and yeah. all that stuff um, so I, I wanted to kind of force myself to get more into the science and engineering of brewing and you know figure out really how to brew and so um I got put on the waiting list for that, and then uh, in 2016, they basically sent me an email and said, you're in next January, So, um, or that was 2017. So so at that point, then I was like, okay, I, I guess I'm really doing this, and uh, I should probably start working on something else. So then, <laughs> so then um, the three of us had been talking about, you know, how I, you know, I didn't tell my boss, my boss or any of my coworkers right away. Yeah. So, um, cause it was still a, wi- a ways off. So, um, but the Noah and, and Darren and I started kind of planning and writing, you know, how do we write a business plan? How are we going to get funding? And just kind of, we just leapt into it at that point. And so, um, by the, by the time I left, so I left in the very end of 2017, uh, I have a, you know, I bought a wife and two kids. We all drove out to California together and rented a, a statistics, statistics professor's house because uh, she was on sabbatical, and I, we spent six months in California where I did the, the Master Brewers program. And then during that time, we had kind of finished our business plan, had approached a bunch of people, had applied, gone and met with banks, you know, um, and we're working on kind of closing an SBA loan um, and had been touring and looking at different facilities. Um, and while I was in California, we found our space that we're in now. So I actually never saw it before we signed the lease. All right. <laughs> well, that's a, quite a bit of faith in your I, I your did, your guys. They, <laughs> they, they sent me pictures and, and little videos of like yeah. walking around the space. And so, you know, I mean, it, it was nice because it was like a big empty shell and it was uh, less than a mile from my house, which oh, is great. Beautiful. You know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> One of my main look. criteria. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, that, I mean, that's kind of how it all came together. It was sort of like, I sort of forced everyone's hands. I was like, if we're going to do it, let's do it now. Cause I'm going to be gone, uh, for six months. And so that's, that's kind of how we made that leap. A friend of mine actually had to buy a house recently that way. He was moving <clears throat> same thing from California, <laughs> but to the Pittsburgh area. In the it was during when the market was really hot, and so property would go on the market and be gone a couple of days later. So he 
he there was no way he could logistically fly out to look at properties because yeah. they'd be gone by the time he he made the arrangement. So he had a real estate agent that would FaceTime him and walk through the house wow. and show him over FaceTime. <laughs> and Hopefully he had a very, very trustworthy real yeah, estate agent. He was, and he was, um, <laughs> he's very happy with what he, it worked out thankfully, that's, but that's, good. that's also, I, get, I, w- I don't know that I would be able to make that big of a purchase based on a FaceTime call. Yeah. I mean, we, I, we knew we had to get it done and we yeah. were trying to find a space and we, we didn't want to like, you know, every day that we didn't have a spot was kind of like, yeah, pushing well, at least you had two thirds of your team physically yeah. seeing it to right, talk yeah. you, talk it up to you, and let you know that it was yeah. a good idea. Yeah. So, and and we had been to a couple different spaces before that where uh, we liked it, but there was you know some structural issues, and the landlords didn't want to contribute, you know. And so, yeah. um, I think for for us for this space, it was great because we had there was a team that owned the property that were very interested in having us there. Um, it was already a, an industrial space, and so it already had the kind of the power requirements and water requirements and gas and everything that we needed. So, um, and they were going to put a million dollars just into the building. Oh wow! So that, um, that helps make it attractive. Yeah. So that uh, <laughs> so that was a huge you know a huge cut in our expenses of having to do work to you know make someone else's building you know, suitable for us. So, um, so that was kind of, you know, once we found out how much they were going to contribute, we, you know, that was it. So. Yeah. Unfortunately, I I stumbled upon it once when I was on my way and it's a big building. Um, and I wanted to stop, although I think you hadn't opened yet. It was, we didn't open until the last week of April. Yeah. So So. I think it may, and I, I was already late for an appointment. I was like, I can't stop now. And I I had to go and I I haven't, um, I haven't had an opportunity to just come out to Baltimore to go to places again yet. Um, Maybe wait till later this fall. You'll have a couple more places to visit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all in one trip. <laughs> so, you had you had said during um, describing your job about like business development, business proposals, and stuff like that. Did did that help you though with the writing the business plan and like? The, that experience with your job, with the business plan, getting a small business loan and all that, or did the rest of the team do that part of the work? Uh, no, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly proficient with Excel. So fin- <laughs> financial spreadsheets and things like that were, were fairly simple to kind of put together. Um, uh, my team helped, you know, we all kind of pitched in and, and did them all sort of together. And then we would kind of split things off and assign tasks. Um, so, uh, and definitely the engineering, you know, my engineering background, uh, helped a lot in, um, just with the layout of the space and kind of making sure, you know, we had our architect coming in and designing stuff, making sure that the trench drains and things like that were going to flow accurately, correctly, you know, downhill and things like that. So, um, Definitely my, my previous job helped us with planning and construction and, and all of that. Um, so you're you're the only one out of the three that's been formally trained in brewing. Yes. Do <coughs> Noah or Dennis? Darren. Darren. I knew it was a D, <laughs> Lisa. I'm s- I, so many people say they're horrible with names. I am just absolutely atrocious with names. Um. Do either of them 
um, do any of the brewing or is it mainly you focusing on, I guess there's other people brewing because you just said you yes. kicked off a double batch day yes. <laughs> before you came uh, here. So Darren, uh, Darren brews, um, but Noah and Darren both still have full-time jobs. So I'm, can you pull that down just a tad closer to you? Wow. Yeah. There you go. There we go. That's better. So, uh, Darren and Noah both still have their previous full-time jobs. Um, they, oh, okay. they haven't not made the full leap gotcha. yet. Um, and, uh, uh, and we have an assistant brewer, Sean. So, uh, Darren's generally free on Tuesdays. So if we're going to do a beer, that's his recipe, we'll generally do it on Tuesday. Um, so he can come in and help, Okay, you know, or kind of lead it. And then, um, Sean and I are sort of his assistants. Um, is Noah involved with, uh, the brewing side of anything at all? Is he still just strictly on the professional drinking side? He's, um, he does, he's kind of our financial guy. So he okay. sort of keeps track of our, um, our finances and makes sure our taxes get paid and, and kind of does all the spreadsheets sends us sends us the bank statements and say i i need receipts for all of these purchases this is from your card so get it to me within a day so he keeps you from going out of business yeah pretty much <laughs> <laughs> so he's very, he's very important yeah. because um tells us we need to brew more beer we need to sell more beer we need to distribute more beer so so he's a kind of like operations and business yeah. side of the yeah you know and um and then and then you know, I'm kind of I kind of in doing most of the brewing um, and then uh, some limited kind of distribution tasks. So um, we don't, we, you know, obviously we're self-distributing. We're so small. So right now we're kind of only in Baltimore in the immediate area. Okay. But we're expecting to expand on that pretty soon. Um, well, another good place to send your cans would be who will stop to thank real quick now. Uh, District East in Frederick does a great job of highlighting craft breweries. In fact, they only have one tiny little case of macro beers. The Almost the entire store is uh, in a heav heavily leaning towards Maryland craft beer. Um, so we're going to take a real quick break to talk about them. And then when we get back... Um, I want to learn about where the name came from and um, the process of opening. Right. The Uncapped Podcast is brought to you by District East. A lot of Friday and Saturday afternoons, you'll find me at District East for their weekly beer tastings. District East is part of the local beer community, and they get limited releases and exclusive beers that are hard to find anyplace else. This is why I chose District East for the release of my collaboration beers. One of my favorite things to do at District East is building a custom six-pack. With over 900 beers on their shelves and new beers every week, District East is a great place to find beers I love and to discover new and hard-to-find ones. They also have eight beers on tap for crowler and growler fills, and they have kegs to go. District East is located on Northeast Street in Frederick, in the same shopping center as Family Mill and Rockwell Brewery. You can find today's beer lists on the District East Facebook page or at www.districteast.beer. So as I was saying, the what we're drinking right now, the Octopus Prime, is an absolutely delicious beer. Um, so it, can you hold that can up and show people? Because I, I love the, the look of the can. Um, and I guess that now would be a good time to talk the cool... Um, or 
do I need to go into the name of the brewery first before we talk about your mural and where uh, that came from? We can. Well, so uh, the I mean, the name of the brewery is it's uh, Mobtown Brewing Company, and just really briefly, that's a nickname for Baltimore. So Baltimore is always since the Revolutionary War has been kind of quick to anger and quick to riot. Um, and so, <laughs> and so kind of my, that became sort of Baltimore's nickname, you know, from revolutionary war all the way up to civil war and then even up to just a couple years ago. So, um, that's kind of where that came from. A lot of people are like, Oh, how come you don't have any murals of Al Capone? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's not that kind of mob. It's, it's the other the torches and pitchforks kind of mob. Yeah. Uh, whenever, um, I saw, the first uh, any information about you guys i was surprised that actually that mob town hadn't been taken yet that yeah. like because like there's just so many cities that could do a spin on that that it was like it's a great name and how is that not taken yeah well and i'm and even in baltimore where it's you know specifically in baltimore there's not a lot of other businesses that are mob town there's mob town ballroom and mob town florals and i think there was like a boxing gym that's it so, so it wasn't even, you know, even really prevalent in Baltimore. Yeah. So, but it was kind of, it was what I was using as my sort of home brewery name oh, okay. for like a really long time. And I just kind of stuck with it. Did you grow up in Baltimore or are you yeah. native to? Well, around like north of Baltimore, up in Baltimore County. Okay. So. Uh, close enough that you would say, I grew up in Baltimore. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so then, yeah, so that's the name of the brewery. And then for, um the the can art so this was um our octopus prime um and that is um the second of our, of our octopus kind of big ipa series of uh can releases uh the first one was space octopus and they're based on our our mural in our tap room uh which is a giant space octopus um which was painted by uh marshall adams who's a local artists kind of grew up in the Baltimore area. It does a lot of um, uh, big murals for like signs on buildings and things like that. Um, and did the sign on the outside of our building. Um, but then it had, you know, come in and we were showing him the space where he wanted to put a mural and um, it just kind of worked out. So we, you know, had him do half of it. And then we had another artist house, Chelsea Henry did kind of the other half. Oh, cool. So why a space octopus? Uh, so uh, space octopus is an, kind of an inside joke between me and five or six of my closest friends from high school. So we um, uh, we all kind of, we grew up together and we all kind of got married around the same time. And so I remember the first of us to get married was my friend Bill. And his brother was his best man and he gave this incredibly awkward um kind of cringy <laughs> embarrassing toast um and at one and you know, we're all kind of feeling uncomfortable listening to him <laughs> and <laughs> that bad <laughs> it was really bad and but at one point i remember him you know uh he he just kind of blurts out it, it's like a space octopus you know i guess he was trying to say it's like something you wouldn't expect i don't know but <laughs> but we all I, I remember looking over at bill at the you know down the table from me and just be like what the hell is he talking about? You know, <laughs> and so, so we and then we all made fun of him afterwards for it. And uh, but then I was the next person to get married, and my friend Matt was also in that wedding, 
and then of course he was my best man so during during a, his toast for my wedding space it, octopus that's amazing and then and then <laughs> i was best man in matt's wedding so then i had to bring it up so there was like f- i would say five or six weddings like within a one or two year period where the the best man during his toast mentioned a space octopus in some <laughs> So did did you all work it in differently or did you all just end it with it's like a space octopus? No, no. We we all worked it in differently. So that makes it even better. Yeah. So I was (laughs) so because I was an engineer and my friend Matt was an engineer for for my toast for him. I did like a PowerPoint presentation and like had like space octopus graphics. Like in the presentation, so I have it, never been to a wedding that the best man toast involved a, a PowerPoint. It That's was amazing. it was ridiculous. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So that then, well, then uh, Bill, who was kind of the the origin of this whole story, he was actually the project manager or the contractor that built the brewery out. Oh, so so then when a weird, strange world. Well, I, I mean, he he found out that I was opening a brewery. Yeah. And he was basically, I'm building your brewery. You don't have a choice. So, <laughs> um, and then and then I was talking to him about the mural and what we were gonna do, and he was like, Dave, it's obvious, yeah. space octopus, and I, he didn't really have to convince me beyond that. So, I think. I, <clears throat> is being part of a friend group from high school that also relentlessly mess with each other. I think that's probably my favorite story that I have, <laughs> that I've been told on this podcast so far. Well, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I've gotten better at telling it because people ask me all the time now. And then, yeah. I, you know, I have well, to, I mean, you know. it kind of is like, well, all right. The name of the brewery is mob town. That is definitely not nautical themed. Why the hell do you have an octopus and it's in space? Yeah. This- <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, the whole reason we got mir- the the space itself. So the building we're in is this. Um, it's an old Westinghouse factory that was built uh, during or shortly after World War II, um, and they used to make these big uh, electric engines there. Um, and so there's these massive gantry cranes on rails, kind of that go the whole length of the building. Um, and we have, I think, we have five of them in our space. Are they um, still there? They're still there. Do they work or are they uh, just still kind of? If, if we hooked them up to power, we, oh, wow. we decommissioned them. So we moved them into position where we wanted them uh-huh. and, then we, and then we cut the power to okay. them. Because if we kept them operational, we'd have to have ocean inspections, inspections and yeah. a lot of license fees and things like that. So I think that's a set. We have one too that needed to be there for when the press was put in the place. And I think it's the same thing. It's, yep. it's disconnected yeah. because of the. Yeah, you don't have to have the annual inspections to make sure they're operational, and then everyone has to wear safety gear around them and things like that. And so the the main like seven and a half ton crane uh, is right above our bar in the tasting room. Oh, so cool! The the big hook is like literally hanging like three and a half feet above the. Is there anything top. on it? No. You should well, just put some like tiny little thing hanging. We, I mean, we <laughs> will occasionally we'll occasionally hang like a flag or a, a, <laughs> a baseball cap or something from it just yeah. for decoration. But it's just this massive hook, kind of. And uh, you come into the uh, tasting room, no one really notices it until you've kind of been in there a little while, mm-hmm. and then you're like, oh man, there's a giant it's, hook there. It's massive, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so like it's this big industrial space, and and you know we're doing all this work in it. It's all concrete and steel. And so we just had these big blank walls and, you know, we thought we need to get a lot of color in here to kind of 
liven up the tasting room and make it a little less mechanical. So is it kind of like uh, Monument City where it's just one big room in like, – if yeah. you walk in, so you walk into like the tasting room area, but you can still see the production area perfectly. And yeah, we're I mean we're obviously not we're not as big as Monument City. They have such a huge space, but yeah, place they is gigantic. Um, yeah, they uh, um, yeah, you walk into the tasting room. You actually walk in through our loading dock. Our main our main entrance is our loading dock. Okay, and so you walk in through the loading dock, and what, we use the loading dock. We have a ping pong table down there, so when we're not actually getting deliveries, we're set up a ping pong table and when the tap, tap room is open. Um, and then you kind of walk in from there and then the, you know, the bar is out in front of you and off to your right is the brewery. So, and it's just, it's there, you know, you can touch the, I don't, I would like to discourage people from touching the fermenters, but you can touch them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, everyone please do not touch the yeah. fermenter. Yeah, we have to shine it's them up with yeah, stainless steel wipes. The stainless steel is a pain to clean. <laughs> They're not like um, modern refrigerators that are coated with uh, the fingerprint proofing. <laughs> nope. Nope. So. so you opened in April. Yes. Right? How How's it been so far? Uh, I mean, it was good. We I mean, we we are still kind of finding our, our place in the scene, I think. Um, and, and none of us have really run businesses like this before so we're sort of figure, figuring figuring out, out as, to... as we go so um you know we know we need to make our monthly minimums and things like that so we're kind of trying to f and, and now we're coming to sort of festival season where everyone's got tons of events um and so we're sort of i don't know it's gonna be our first fall i think it's i think we're gonna about to get really busy so yeah it's kind of weird that like fall is the busiest time for breweries and like that's i i guess i just always would have thought like summer would be but like while there's a lot going on it's like soon as september hits is when it's really bad yeah I guess the way i figured is that in the summer everyone's got stuff to do outside yeah uh, so and then you get the fall and the days start getting shorter and everyone kind of gets into their seasonal depressions and, <laughs> and then they need somewhere to go drink so all right so um we're gonna take one final uh sponsor break and i want to talk about the your equipment brewery size like brew house size and that all that fun stuff okay i'm excited to announce our newest sponsor vanish farmwoods brewery Vanish is a brewery and entertainment complex located on a 62-acre hops and apple farm in Luckett's, Virginia, just 20 minutes from Frederick, Maryland and Leesburg, Virginia. With over 20 beers on tap, a selection of wines and ciders, along with multiple food options, there is something for everyone. Vanish has live music on Saturdays and Sundays and a wide variety of special events. Go to VanishBeer.com for information on everything they have to offer. So first, I want to congratulate you on making one of maybe five Hefeweizens in this world that I have ever enjoyed. Uh, Thank you. Thank you very much. I also hate Hefeweizens, so <laughs> I, I needed to find a way to make something that I would drink. And it, and it's not that I like it because it's there have, there have been beers I've liked that were labeled Hefeweizens, and you taste them, and you're like, well, this just isn't even a Hefeweizen. That's why I like it. Like, this is... Enough Hefeweizen to um, definitively say, yes, it's a Hefeweizen, but you 
dialed back the aspects of a Hefeweiss and I hate enough that it's enjoyable. Yeah, I, that's uh, that was my design. So, so bravo. It, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is uh, we, we take a, a very non-traditional approach to this Hefeweizen. So it's kind of the grain bill and everything, the yeast are all traditional. But then once we fermented it, we just started adding lots of non-German hops. So <laughs> so this has galaxy hops in the in added during fermentation. So So I, I do I like that. I, I like that you're like you, you took a traditional base but you put your own spin on it. Is that your general idea where like who cares about like traditions have their place and I will honor them sometimes, but ultimately <laughs> who cares? I'm going to do what I want to do. Yeah, so we, um, as a home brewer, I've, I always found it uh, very frustrating trying to fit into specific, um, you know, BJCP uh, kind of guidelines and definitions yeah. of what a beer has to be. So I took second place once for, I, I made my interpretation of Nugget Nectar, because for the longest time that was my absolute favorite beer. And but I mean the closest thing to enter it in is is, is an amber ale. Yeah. And I won second place because all of them just dinged it too strong to like yeah. all the things because it's an imperial amber. <laughs> and like there were even a couple notes that pointed out how similar it was to Nugget Nectar. And my thought was like, I bet this is better than every other beer yeah. <laughs> that was put in as an amber, but because of the stupid style guides. Right. Which I mean they do have a they have a place and a reason for it, but like I, like you just said, I found it frustrating too. Yeah, I, I mean, I like I've learned now, and we haven't done any as a, as a professional brewery. We haven't done any competitions. We sort of missed this year's uh, Maryland craft beer competition um, due to a, it was just my, opening. It was my, it was my oh. fault. <laughs> it was my fault. We were going to enter, and they had the, like the the cutoff date was like twelve o'clock a.m. on this day. And I was thinking I had one more day, but it was uh, okay. actually like that night. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, but yeah, no, I, uh, I like, I like, I will do traditional beers and, and we we're doing an, our, um, Mobtoberfest is coming up on October 5th and we have a traditional, uh, Meritzen and a Schwarz beer that I kind of stuck with it, um, because those are styles that I like, yeah. <laughs> but with the Hefeweizen, I, I, I needed out, to fix it. I, I needed to, <laughs> I needed to go out there and do something different. So, um, but I mean, we, we like to we like to play around with uh, things, and so you know, homebrewing. I was always trying to kind of hit these style guidelines, and then and then I started doing this uh, beer competition that uh, that Nepenthe uh, Brewing Company, before they were a brewing company, they were just the, the homebrew, homebrew shop. Yeah. So they sponsored one every year that was called um, it was called Hopped. And it was like a mystery ingredient homebrew competition. So you went to sign I up. I get it. You not signed chopped, up. But yeah, hopped. not chopped, but hopped. <laughs> so you'd sign up and they literally give you a box. Here's what you have to use. That's and, really and cool. Everyone got it. And so, and then you had two months or three months to brew a beer that contained all of those ingredients. That and, is really cool. And I do they I, still do that? They still do. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. And I, I thought. I, I always I did fairly well at it, so I got. I think the first year I did, it, I got second place, um, and then the second year I did it, I won it. Uh, third year I did it, 
I did not place. It was. Um, <laughs> Should have quit while you were well, on Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm a completist. And that third year, they had ramen noodles as one of their, one of their Mr. Ingredients. And I, I had to have all of it in there. And so there was a bunch of people that brewed beers that didn't include the little uh, flavor packet. Uh-huh. But, but I, you put it I in. had to. And so, so my beer had this, um, it was, it was a completely drinkable beer. I did a Vienna lager, uh, with lime flavor ice and some other stuff and, and this ramen noodle packet. So it just had a sort of chicken soup <laughs> aftertaste it was very subtle, but it was definitely noticeable. I wonder, I wonder <clears throat> if there would be some way to make like a goza or it goes with enough flavor that would hide the chicken enough because of how salty the, yep, the maybe gimme, that I, might work. And you know, I was thinking like lime and salt and kind yeah. of you know Mexican style beer. Like maybe I can hide it that way. But it was Vienna Lager. I think was maybe too malty of a beer to really make that that work. So it it sort of failed. Did but they specifically say you had to use the packets and no, people just ignored no, it? Or? No, they actually, they actually kind of, after I already brewed mine, they said, you don't have to use it. <laughs> so, but I, I probably, even if I had known, I probably would have. Yeah. Because I just for the I have to, were, were you a, Oh, I guess cause they give you the box with the ingredients. You have to use what the, what has been given to you. Cause you might've been able to like buy a different pack of rum and then has a less uh, strong. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Maybe like, maybe like the shrimp one. Or I don't know. I, yeah, no, I had to use what they, they gave me. So, um, but, it, but then I've uh, the, the previous competitions, I actually used more of some of the Mr. Ingredients. So the first competition, one of the Mr. Ingredients was Mountain Dew. And I made a beer that was like, literally 40 percent mountain dew my good and it was one del- it was, that had to be a very expensive beer to make it was delicious <laughs> and it i made a berliner weisse with okay. it um and um i was it was surprising how well the mountain dew fermented um <laughs> but yeah no it i got i got second place that year it was a, it was not too shabby i guess so so did I mean, I guess really it's just sugar water with some flavoring in it's it. It's mostly so it, citric acid, right? Yeah. It's, it's orange and like citrus flavoring. So I figure if I do a nice sour beer, add some uh, like New Zealand hops, some motueka, a little bit of citra. You know, it, yeah, <laughs> I was hoping it. Out. I was hoping it would be a little more green when <laughs> I when I poured it out. But it was it's a nice straw color. You know, it was. It's fine. Yeah, so you should just dump some more food coloring in there. Or <laughs> right, just give it that little green yeah. tinge. Yeah, because that would have added a, an, an extra layer of yes. uh, yeah. awesomeness to it. So that was that was in the box, or you just that was in the, the well that was in the box, but they only had like a little like you know it was like a pint. Yeah, and I um I, I can do I went, better than that. <laughs> I went out and got a lot more Mountain Dew. So um, how how large of a brew house do you have? Uh, we have a 10 barrel, it's a 10 barrel brew house, uh, and we have four 20 barrel fermenters and one 10 barrel fermenter. So you started out pretty big. Yeah. For, yeah. We, I mean, the... we, we anticipated needing to brew more quickly because every, yeah. every other brew I've ever talked to has been like oversized because if you, if you start too small, you're going to be buying equipment within the first year. Yeah. And so, it's, uh, 
lot more expensive to do that then. Yeah. Because it's not really that, like, because were you considering, like, three-barrel at first, or did and you I just mean, always have in your mind to do? We always kind of had 10-barrel, okay. but but we kind of upsized the fermenters because then we were like, well, then we can just start double-batching Yeah. And and, you know, essentially double our capacity without having to buy any more any more equipment so you so. said you're um self-distributing are are you sending much outside of the brewery now or is it still mainly just keeping up with the tap room uh it's mainly keeping up with the tap room however our our walk-in cooler is completely full okay and so in order to brew more beer we need to move some out so now we are concentrating more on trying to get beer out of our space and into other bars and restaurants. And it's, I mean, it's a great way to market the brewery too. Cause you know, people yeah. go to a bar, try it and, and then know you well, exist. I mean, that was, it's, it was our yeah. goal was we would love that get an, it an out there enough that people would then want to come to us. Yeah. Right. Um, but we're finding that it's the, the fun of, of being a brewer to me is, is, creating new recipes and doing new things and putting out new beers and seeing how people react to them. Um, and in order to, um, in order to kind of keep that going and be able to brew as much as I want to brew, we almost have to distribute more. We, especially if you're, yeah. are you doing almost 20 barrels of everything? No, right? I mean, or? right now we're doing, we're, we're pushing our 10 barrel system, essentially doing 12 barrels of okay. everything. Uh, and then when we do these canning runs, uh, we'll do 20 barrels. Okay. Um, and then for the higher gravity beers, uh, we'll do double batches just because you can't really get, you can't do a 12 barrel batch of a, of a high gravity beer. Cause you'll, you know, you'll totally fill your mash ton. So we, we do like an eight barrel batch and then another eight barrel batch the next day. Okay. So we kind of end up with a little bit more than we normally would. Are you, um, are you sending cans out? in distribution or selling those all through the tap room uh, mostly through the tap room but we have we have a couple liquor stores three or four liquor stores in baltimore that are carrying our cans now they'll buy you know five or six cases of each type and sell them um and we're probably in about i would say maybe 10 10 bars okay um we're we're in the midst of beginning to distribute through um, a company, a new company called Craft Coalition, um, that uh, is essentially sales reps and sales reps, and and they work with Free State Delivery Beer Delivery. Oh, okay. Uh, and so we're we're probably within the next three or four weeks, we'll be distributing in Montgomery and Howard counties through them. So do do they do they count as a distributor or no. are they just like independent contractors so as salespeople? So they're salespeople. So they they have an app. Okay. You essentially say, we have this much beer that you guys can sell. So this many half barrel kegs, this many six dollars, this many cans, and they go into their app and they have designated salespeople that go out and sell it, and then Free State comes and picks it up and takes it so that's really cool so that, i mean that at i mean um 
Dan was already disrupting things with Free State on its own. Yeah, the, um, but you add that second layer yeah, of this a, is, a contract sales force. That's a yeah. So the, it's um uh, Jason from he he was working at Manor Hill for a long time, um, and he kind of came up with this app and this idea, and he's kind of taking it and partnered with Dan, and they're um they're they're going. So they have they have a bunch of people that they're kind of working for already, and you know we're kind of their newest so is it just just a local thing at this point right yeah, yeah it's just local so right he's, like he's, right now he's up, he's though. only doing montgomery county and a little okay. bit of howard i think they're planning on on going to dc why does um, everyone ignore frederick well frederick is uh, he, <laughs> he told me frederick possibly like early next year okay so and that would be that would be definitely somewhere we would want to kind of yeah, distribute to because well, I mean, it's, it's hard for us to get out here. Yeah, I, I we don't have a box truck. We don't have yeah refrigeration. Everything we deliver in Baltimore goes in the back of my Jeep or in our tap room manager Trevor. It goes in his Honda Civic, which <laughs> can only carry so many kegs. So well, I mean, if you're going to be using Dan anyway, you could just send send some stuff independently we straight could. to uh, straight to Frederick. We could we could do that. Um, so we're you know we're just kind of figuring it out as we go right now. But yeah, I think once we, once we we're meeting with Dan, I think to Friday, um, and we're going to, um, kind of figure out the details and all that stuff. So Dan's such a great guy. I've met him once. Yeah. Before at the, the Brewers Association of Maryland. Yeah. He's, um, a couple events we did where I needed cold storage. He let me use their truck for for the breweries to be able to, to keep their kegs in and yeah so so look for uh mobtown beer coming soon to montgomery and howard counties hopefully that's great i I need to get i need to have both of them on now i've been wanting to have dan on for a while but now adding in yeah that whole layer of a contract sales force yeah no because it he he kind of approached us and we were like because we were you know we've been talking about we need to hire a sales rep we, we need to start distributing more, you know, and Noah's looking at the budget and he's like, we can't afford to hire yeah. a sales rep. <laughs> like, so, well, then you do it, Noah. Right? Yeah. So this is, um, it's, it's this, he came at the very, like, it was sort perfect, of the perfect timing. Oppor- yeah. timing. So, yeah. So it, hopefully it's going to work out. That's know. really awesome. Um, so I, something I'm wondering, cause I was, I was actually just talking to, a brewery that opened recently and they were saying like they really wanted before they made any kind of decisions they wanted to wait a few months because they were worried that once they were they weren't the shiny new thing anymore that they wouldn't see the same level of sales or people in their tap room um did you see any kind of drop off after opening when you weren't the shiny new thing anymore or Yes. Did it? Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we, we have, I mean, we're, we're kind of a local sort of neighborhood brewery. We're, we're fairly small. We, um, we have a big tap room and, um, you know, it, we were the first few weeks we were open the first month we were open, we were kind of packed. We had, mm-hmm. a, you know, great first couple months, but then as summer kind of rolled through, it's, it's 
just been dropping off and we were expecting, you know, with summer, everyone's on vacation. People aren't going to breweries. They're, you know, they're out doing stuff outside. Has it slowly started to pick back up at all though? Well, that's what we were hoping, but it's, it's been kind of spotty like off and on. And so that's another reason that we were kind of like pushing distribution. Cause I, I've also not even just breweries, but restaurants saying that this summer was really bad for traffic into restaurants and tap rooms. And I think that coincided with, I remember seeing on the news something about like this year was record, um, like a tourist revenue across Mm -hmm. the country. So I, I think because we're such an area that people leave, instead of coming to <laughs> that yeah. that vac- like people taking vacations for the first time in a long time hurt hospitality type businesses in the Baltimore, Frederick, DC yeah. areas. I mean, I I've talked Maybe to other, not DC as I mean, much. I mean, I've talked to I know bar owners and and other brewers in in Baltimore and kind of everyone has said it it always dies off in the summer. Yeah. Um but you'll have a strong fall, but it's we're noticing it's not really hasn't picked up as much as we would yeah. like it to. Well, I think we're still with, with school starting not until after Labor Day, like and yeah. Maryland doesn't like to allow fall to actually happen. It's it's still <laughs> that, really nice yeah. outside, and <laughs> yeah. and the days aren't quite short enough yeah. yet. So when when people start getting home at at four thirty in the afternoon, it's already dark. That's when I think. That's when I think people are really going to want to hit the yeah. tap room because everyone's going to be It'll, so depressed yeah, for the winter. The, <laughs> the sun, you know, they'll need that half of ice, and that's actually good. They'll need in it. The... Yeah. So, um, and and I think we we're um, we're also still relatively unknown. We've been doing some some events, and yeah, you know, you like a third of the people at every event we go to are like, we've never even heard of you guys. So you know, I've. So. In the last couple of days, I've had several people ask me who I had coming up to come on, and I'd say at least fifty percent of them hadn't heard of Mobtown yet. Yeah. So like that's good because you you guys didn't really publicize a lot before you opened. I didn't. No, didn't we, seem like no, because <laughs> I like typically you'll start hearing about a brewery sometimes up to two years beforehand, like all the social media, you guys kind of started and then you were open. Yeah. Like I mean, we, we, we started, we started really started paying attention to our social media game sort of when we were under construction. And, uh, so it was really only a few months yeah. and then, um, and we really don't have any sort of advertising plan <laughs> per se <laughs> as it is right now. So that's another thing we're kind of trying to figure out as we, as we go along. Um, but we're, we're, we're in, um, we got a bunch of events coming up. Uh, so at the tap room on October 5th, we have Mobtoberfest. It's our yeah, first. With, that, that already happened. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this probably won't come out until yeah. late, late okay. October, All early right. November. So, so, <laughs> so it I, was, I, I, the everyone. turnout was amazing. Thank you everyone for coming. <laughs> um, uh, we've got the Baltimore craft beer festival. Will be in. This may be out before. So it. <laughs> hopefully, yes, that will. Well, last week you were advertising for it, so yeah. so well, I have a lot of. Unfortunately, we've <laughs> I've kind of anyone who was willing, like had time. I was like, yes, let's record, and I have kind of a backlog. Okay. So, how so about you uh, may or may not have been really I'm gonna, busy. I'm going to come up with an event right now. We're going to do Friendsgiving at Mobtown Brewing Company, <laughs> yeah. and then uh, Christmas something or other, <laughs> New Year's Eve. It'll be great. 
No, but we we will have. You know, I so far, I've only brewed the same one beer more than once, and so we're you know right now our our plan is to kind of keep going like this and mm-hmm. just keep bringing new stuff out. Um, and I'd love to have a new beer on tap every week if possible. So uh, we're we're just gonna keep doing it. Well, so. I would imagine then the Baltimore Craft Beer Festival, that's the first um, large one that you have been yeah. to? Well, we were we were at the Maryland Craft Beer Festival. Okay. Um, and we actually at the Baltimore Craft Beer Festival last year with our, like, here's what we're going to have, home, okay. our homebrew beers. We kind of fit in under their, like, special event permit so they could, like, we could serve it, yeah. you know, without a liquor license. But um, this year is our, you know, this will be our first our first Baltimore craft beer festival has a open operating brewery. Where, where were you at for the Maryland one? Uh, we were right next to, we were along the Creek next to Oliver and who else? I don't remember. I didn't. We I were, d- we were, we were kind of all the way down at the, um, going to say the East end. Okay. Yeah. Was it one of the areas that was more packed? Um, Right. Yeah, because it, it, it kind of all narrows. One of the pinch points. So it all kind of narrows down. You kind of go under the bridge, and then uh, it all kind of narrows yeah. down, and, and there's, uh, like, the tree pits, you know, along the one side and yeah. the creek along the other side. So we're kind of, like, up on one of those, like, tree pit type things. Oh, like, okay. Yeah. I know. Maybe I did stop <laughs> and have something from you guys then. You may have. Um, I, I think it's a done deal that next year they're going to be able to have the next block of the creek. So it'll be they'll be able to spread out more, and there were I think seven or eight breweries that had to be turned down. Oh really? Uh, but yeah, because they they had to cut off people getting in. It was yeah, and, it was packed. I mean, it was ridiculous. I that, so I I'd, I'd never been to it before, even as a beer fan, and so just kind of going and seeing that was kind of that's my favorite crazy. festival of any i mean one because i can uber to it really oh, easily yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in and seeing the progression of it because um the the first when it became the maryland craft beer festival because before that it was like spring fest and it was um it was at the harry grove stadium where the frederick mm. keys play at and i really liked it there but that was back when there was like i don't know maybe 10 breweries across the state yeah then they had it at the fairgrounds. It was awful there. Then they moved it to the creek, but it was a, a, like only one tiny little section of it, and it didn't even. I mean, it was kind of tight, but it didn't really need to be much larger. But then we've slit. So it's, it was like the band area. It was only in that area. Oh where wow, the, man! And yeah. yeah, so like what it's become now is exponential compared to where it started out. Yeah, it was. It was packed. It was. Not so. I, yeah, that was interesting. But we'll, yeah, we'll definitely be there. Like we're gonna try to hit all the big festivals, and we're we're starting to kind of hammer together like how to find out. Because we sort of find out about everything too late now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, so we're trying to we're we're kind of figuring out yeah. all that stuff now. But yeah, we're we'll we'll be out and about a lot more in the next few months. So, and the I love the Baltimore one too. That's a beautiful place for a festival and it's um you never feel crowded because it's such a large spread out and they're, and they're changing it this year um i guess they're getting rid of the homebrew competition to, so that they can fit more uh porta potties in 
Okay. Yeah, there, were, there was a big complaint about that <laughs> yes. last year. Um, and they're and they're also now the group instead of so before you had um, you would call in, and they would just they would randomize the names of the breweries, and you could pick out which spot you wanted okay. depending on which which order you were in. So, but the, I, apparently this year now they're for the Baltimore Craft Brewery Beer Festival. They are they're putting everything kind of in groups, like separated by region. I like that. So that so you can so almost that, do like a tour of Maryland. Yeah. So you can. So if you want to, if you're from Frederick and you haven't had a chance to try all these Baltimore breweries, they're kind of all going to be in one area. Or if you want to try some Eastern Shore breweries, they're going to be in another area. And so you, you know, you hit like the Burley Oaks. Yeah. And the RARs. Well, they, be there. They, yeah, well, they don't. They don't. They don't, <laughs> they don't feel the need to belong to the band. <laughs> Yeah, they won't be there, but like they, the um, R A R, and then you'll hit the you know, cult classic or some of the ones that you know, people may have never had a chance to go to or have been to, and I think it's going to help breweries, but it's also going to help people yeah. kind of find new beer. I hope it, they, I hope they do that at um, the Frederick one too, because it, it's even more like, uh, isol- like pockets where you can really make it seem like you're moving from area to area the way that the, it clusters like yeah, it expands and, it, and then recontracts. Well, and, yeah, it was funny cuz I was I was kind of walking around the the Maryland Craft Beer Festival here in Frederick and it was it was funny cuz I, you know, I, there's only a couple of breweries in Frederick that I had been to at the time and so I was like I got to try all these other breweries and and they kind of all kind of knew where to go. Yeah. <laughs> so they were all kind of in one area. Yeah. We're all up so by they, the one fountain. Yeah, so the, they all kind yeah. of they all kind of got around there. Meanwhile, uh, you know, us the Baltimore brewers are going to yeah. down the line because we, you know, we don't live in the area. We don't yeah. know. So well, I, th- I think Attaboy chooses that area purely because just the closest to their uh, but, but yeah, their spot, right. so that it's easier for them to carry stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, but um, no, that I think that I think that'll be great for. I think it's great for breweries. Uh, because you you know if you know there's a brewery that's really popular and you're kind of a smaller startup brewery and and people are there to see this other one they'll kind of yeah they'll, they'll see that there's other stuff in that area and and they, and then it could make people's it could uh it could make kind of not for like help people kind of decide hey well if I go hit if I if I go to Guinness then I also hit heavy seat heavy seas and yeah. I can also hit you know some of these other West side. And I also think doing it that way eliminates, because I'm sure they, they did the randomized locations because there was a perceived some spots are better than others type of thing. But if you do it based purely just on regionally, there aren't any bad spots because no matter what you're going to have some large draw brewery that has the notoriety to bring someone to that regional area that everyone else is going to benefit from it too by yeah i guess we'll see how it works um so this will be the first attempt at the baltimore Craft. that's the first time i heard i I love that idea that's pretty cool wish i could go (laughs) (laughs) so um actually i don't know i don't think i have any more questions now i think we covered everything i wanted to um do you have anything planned out through uh December safe to talk about uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> December no so yeah. how how often do you do can releases uh, so we're we're trying about once every two months okay. so 
So we are, I actually need to kind of figure out when our next canning run is going to be and then, and then figure out the brew schedule for it. But we'll probably be releasing something. Let's see. Probably end of November. Sometime around then in November, early December, we'll have our next can release and we'll do, um, you know, possibly another octopus uh, <laughs> themed beer <laughs> or maybe not. I don't know. We I really, really do food. love that story. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we'll we'll see. Um, but, yeah, it should be, a, uh, I would say, beginning of December or late November. Oh, name. Actually, I did want the names of the other Abel and Miss Baker. Okay, That's... So, yeah, Abel and Miss Baker. So this uh, the Hefeweizen, um, because I use Galaxy Hops in, I have to make it space related. So Abel and Miss Baker were the first two uh, monkeys to oh. be, to be shot into space and <laughs> and return alive. Okay, so, <laughs> so they have, they okay they do have at least a good storm. <laughs> Uh, and then the 41 year lapse that, uh, so that's our American pale ale. Um, that is, uh, the, the, it was the first commercial beer brewed in Brewers Hill in 41 years since the national brewing company and and Gunther and company or Gunther, not Gunther company. That's the restaurant Gunther brewing company closed. And so they both shut down in 1978. And so it was kind of a historical nod to that brewing community. Oh, that's right. Cause you have the tagline bringing brewing back to Brewers Hill or bringing or you, beer, bringing yeah, beer bring back, back to Brewers Hill. So brew, yeah, Brewers Hill is a neighborhood that we're in. Um, and it's called that because it's a hill and there were two breweries on top of it. Okay. Um, and so you have, you know, if you're coming into Baltimore from 95, you'll see a big neon winking Mr. Bow <laughs> on, on top of, uh, you know, Natty Bow tower. Um, but they haven't, they haven't obviously brewed beer there since they shut down in 78. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we're the first, the first commercial brewery to brew in Brewers Hill since then. So that's 41 year lapse is the name of uh, cool. And that was our, and that was our first beer that we brewed. And so, um, you haven't been open that long yet, but have you received any particularly funny, um, bad reviews that you would consider actually good because I love bad reviews. Well, <laughs> no, I mean it's 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 funny because we we sort of deep dive when we get a bad review. Uh-huh. We kind of we're like, let's let's. It's mostly on Yelp, so we'll. Although we'll, people on Yelp put some effort into. Oh, their... they do because I, have you ever tried to post a review on Yelp? No. It it constantly prompts you to add more. Oh, like well, that makes the sense app. then. I, okay. I have never done it, but I've gone through it, and like, uh, what, what would it take to put a review on Yelp? And it's it's constantly prompting. Most did like, you hate this too? No, no, yeah, yeah, right. No, it's like it's like we find that forty five percent of the people post a review this long. Oh. Do another two sentences to blah blah blah, and so like, you're shamed for putting yeah, in a short. <laughs> so, so we, we'll what, find are you too stupid to add more words to we'll, this. We'll read like the bad Yelp reviews, and then we'll be like, okay, when were these people here? And we'll okay, we'll look at the date. And it's like, oh, this person also left a bad review at the same time, and then we'll like stalk them on like you're unta- such an engineer. We'll stalk them on Untapped and kind of find out where. <laughs> our, oh, here's their their username on Untapped. Oh, they didn't like anything, you know. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's are cre- you it's creepy, <laughs> but, <laughs> but 
but and I, I'm, I haven't that was kind of when we were first opening and so yeah. now now i'm just like i don't care right? I'm, I'm i'm beyond that right <laughs> i'm gonna do what i'm gonna do and if they don't like it they don't have to come back so so that were you able to gleam anything from that though because it's not like you actually put in a lot of effort to well that's mostly my wife she gets yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i guess she's got time on her hands but yeah. no no i mean we we found out that it was this couple that came together and they apparently give everyone bad reviews because they like we looked at their other Yelp reviews and then we looked at all the like the beers on the untapped that they like and they're you know they uh they don't like any beers on untapped except for there was like some really weird like Rattlers and things like that that they really love and it was like why oh, why they even... right <laughs> so i don't know it you know it it kind of validates they... us more that that i think but they um they must be really fun people to hang around with i bet <laughs> <laughs> I let bet. me tell you about all the things i hate <laughs> <laughs> right i no so i i would welcome them to come back to the brewery and try some of our newer offerings maybe they would like them more you should make a rattler and name it after them I, don't, I refuse. I won't, <laughs> I won't make a rattler. I won't do it. I I, I will do it. I'm I'm sure some <laughs> someday if enough, I'll probably make a hard <laughs> seltzer someday if some if enough people want it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that, it didn't take you long to turn around. <laughs> no, no, I, I I hate rattlers and um, fruit juice, beer concoctions. Although we do we do beer mosas at the uh, brewery with. I mean, that's basically a Rattler. Yeah, I know. So. so I don't know what I'm complaining about, right? Um, what non-Mobtown Maryland beer are you enjoying at this moment? Uh, right now, uh, I have uh, the Monument City Brewers Exclusive, number one. Is that good? I didn't it's, make it out there to try it. It's I, great. I mean, I just assumed it was going to be great. Cause it's delicious. They're really, um, these guys are, they've been, well, first of all, Shouts out to Monument City because they have been super awesome just in helping us along the way, um, helping us get involved in, you know, local events mm -hmm. um, and kind of always kind of looking, hey, have you guys reached out to Mobtown? You know, and they're they're eight blocks away from us. So they're yeah, that right was actually where I was headed when I drove past. So and they um <laughs> and then and then you know and then just um when you know when we first got the things that people don't think about when you open a brewery, what am I going to do with my spent grain? Oh uh, yeah. So, you know, our first 2 months, we had no idea what to do with spent grain and and so, you know, Ken and Matt were like, "Well, just, you know, load it into cans and you can come dump it into our trailer." You know, cuz they obviously produce a lot more of it than yeah, us. Yeah. So, um so they have a farmer that comes and takes it twice a week and um yeah, so they were helped us kind of get through that until we found a farmer to take ours so that's awesome yeah. they've been great yeah ken i ken i know ken the best out of all of them and he's such a great guy they're all all of them they're all yeah. really great people so well that was a good answer because i that's a beer i had wanted but didn't make it out then i assume now at this point it's gone no, it's they, still available i bought oh, it, is it literally oh, cool. last week i got four packs of it last weekend so i need to go out get there to then, baltimore and you can come visit us that's a good idea. I'll just have to take a day off or make it a work trip. It'll be a work trip. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Expense it. Um, so th this is uh, this is far enough away that I can still talk about it in the future. This will come out on December 7th. This is a whiskey I made with McClintock uh, Distilling, who's right along um, Carroll Creek near mm -hmm. where the festival is. Um, it is a hop-infused single malt whiskey. 
named No Cover Charge, and it'll be available December 7th at their anniversary party. It smells amazing. So thank you for coming out. Uh, thank you. Uh, this is really fun, interesting. My favorite story now has been told. Sweet. Uh, Beat that, everyone. <laughs> Challenge. Uh, thank you, everyone, for watching and listening. Cheers. Cheers. Uncapped is brought to you with support from McClintock Distilling, Maryland's first and only organic certified distillery. They are well known for their award-winning gin and are rapidly growing a name for themselves for their matchstick bourbon and bootjack rye whiskey that have both won double gold at international spirits competitions. You can visit them in historic downtown Frederick along Carroll Creek for tours and tastings. Go to McClintockDistilling.com for more information. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.